0: that I was in, I'd do anything to be better. I thought like a lunatic. You gotta just have like that little bit of hope that it will get better. You're gonna make it. This began my surrender. I am a witness of my own growth. It's life beyond your wildest dreams and I just have to say, it works if you work it. My story, that's what I share. You're listening to Far From Finished, a weekly podcast where we share new, real-life stories of hope and triumph told by the people who live them. Today's story comes to us from. My name is Kylie Jensen. My sobriety date is October 28th, 2015. I was born in California. Um, My parents divorced at a young age. I was about seven. Um, It never really bothered me so much. I kind of liked having multiple Christmases and all that good stuff. Um, When I was around seven, My brother and I got molested. Um, My dad always resented my mom for that, and it kind of put me in the middle of them, too, which is really what got to me. Um, When I was 11, we moved to Las Vegas, and I always resented my mom for taking me away from my dad. Let's see. I didn't start drinking until I was like 15 when I got my first job. Um, my mom really hated that I was becoming independent. Um, I would sneak out. I would ditch school to go to work because I would rather work and make money and not be at home than be at school. Um, my mom snuck through my stuff a lot, and she found a note And she thought that I did all these terrible things that I really didn't do. Um, She came in my room and she called me a whore. And um, so, around this time I was planning on moving back to California with my dad. And um, she was fighting it. She was saying that if I I went back that she'd call the cops on my dad for kidnapping me. And um, just crazy stuff. So, when Um, She found the note. She finally said, okay, fine, you can go, because I didn't want to go to my dad's actually that summer because I wanted to keep working. Um, So when she found the note, she said, you can go, but you're not coming back. So now it was her decision, not mine, because she was okay with it. Um, So I ended up moving back to summer. She threw all my stuff in the backyard. and her and I didn't talk for a long time. Uh, that was my junior year of high school, and my dad never really had to be a dad because we had been with my mom a lot of the time. He's quite literally the Disneyland dad. We went every year, and um, he, you know, he was the fun one to be with, so he never really disciplined us or anything. So when I moved out there, it was just like a free-for-all. Um, And I'm a daddy's girl, so I could convince him to take me anywhere. Let me stay at my friend's for, you know, weeks at a time or weekends at a time at first. (sighs) And he (laughs) didn't really know where I was or what I was doing, because I would, you know, say I was at this person's house. But I was really just running amok, um, which is when I really started heavily drinking. Um, I blacked out the very, very first time that I drank, um, it's funny looking back on it, but every, basically every time I drank, it was a blackout drunk, um, I remember waking up on my friend's couch with, like, a rat's nest on my head, and, like, leaves and twigs sticking out, and, um... (laughs) Her grandpa came into the living room and just started laughing at me and I went to where she was and I was like why are there leaves in my hair and I was still fucked up and she was so mad she was so mad at me because she's like this little five-foot-three girl and her and another five-foot I'm not five-foot-three they had to literally like roll me in the backyard to get me in the house and they hosed me down and I just made an embarrassment of myself. Uh, But I I never stopped drinking after that. Um, I ended up getting in a relationship with a guy that was 16 when I was 18. Um, I think I was 17 when we started. But I was obviously getting in a lot of trouble. Um, My uncle and his girlfriend used to, like, take me out. Every once in a while, they'd come pick me up so we could go eat, and um, we were really close. And I would like tell her a lot of things about what I was doing and who I was hanging out with. And um, one day, she wrote this mock-up email, basically outing everything that I was doing to my parents, to my mom especially, saying that if I if I didn't go get um, STD testing and HIV testing that she was gonna email it to my mom and basically ruin everything. So I went and um, I didn't get an HIV test because I said it wasn't really necessary. So she sent the email. Um, she got me kicked out of well she didn't I did all the stuff in the email so she was just doing what she thought was right but uh, my dad ended up kicking me out of the house. Um, I ended up living, going to live with uh, my grandparents in the same city that I was doing all this fucking around in. And um, wanted to get out, but I mean, I was still drinking every day. I ended up going to a continuation high school. Um, I was really far behind. I had 140 credits as a junior, and you need 240 to graduate um, as well as 80 hours of community service. Um, so I was pretty far behind. I ended up graduating early. I was, um, enlisted in the Air Force. I was sworn into the Air Force. I had a high intel job and a ship out date, um, when I found out that I was pregnant. And, um, so that was not really an option anymore. Um, I didn't really know what to do. I hadn't talked to my mom in probably a year, and I called her, because I didn't know who else to call. And she started screaming at me, telling me to get an abortion and get my ass in the Air Force, and it was just not what I wanted to hear. Um, I She drove all the way up to California, eight hours to come take me to get an abortion. Um, And she was so rude the entire time I told her to screw off and that I wasn't getting an abortion. Um, And I really wasn't going to. Um, My boyfriend kept telling me that the baby was gonna come out retarded and it was gonna be an asshole and I was gonna be a terrible mom. Um, And eventually it all just kinda got to me and I tried ecstasy for the first time while I was pregnant. Um, I didn't really feel it, but the little bit that I felt, I oh, I just wanted that feeling all the time. Um, I ended up asking my dad for the money to get an abortion. And he took me, and I didn't tell any of my mom's side of the family, who I was living with at the time. Um, but they found out, and after I got the abortion, I just thought my life was over. Um, it really tore me up, and I was doing ecstasy every single waking moment. Um, uh, let's see. Every waking moment. Eventually, I lost about 30 pounds in, in less than a month. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, I knew that I was slowly killing myself. I was getting like these weird electric brain things like when I wasn't using and I thought I was just going to die one day. Um, so I, one weekend I went to a um, Giants game. They were playing the Red Sox and I was on ecstasy when my friends asked me if I wanted to move to Reno with them. And that was a Friday night, and literally Sunday I was in Reno with all my stuff and getting sober. Um, I got a job. got two jobs, actually, and I was doing good. And then my birthday came around, and um, I got my lip pierced, and the, the chick that I was living with, didn't want that around her baby daughter so she sent me back to california um and then a guy that i met in reno drove to california to pick me up to go live in to go move in with him um it ended up not working out because i got drunk and acted stupid and i ended up cheating on him one night and um it was around that time, when, like, my eating... I had an eating disorder through this whole time. Um, and I checked myself into an eating disorder cl- uh, clinic, and that was a 45-day treatment program up in Reno. Um, uh, I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, but at the time, I didn't think that was my problem. Um... Once treatment was done, my grandparents picked me up, and I moved back in with my dad. Um, and I basically started hanging out with the same friends again, um, drinking as much, if not more, than I was before, uh, I don't even remember what happened, but I got kicked out of my dad's house again. Um, I ended up living with my friends. She kind of like took in all these kids, and we called her mom. and um, it, it was fun. I didn't have. I was eighteen. I didn't have anyone to answer to. I didn't have any rules. I could go out when I wanted, but, I mean, I was miserable, um, I, this probably went on for about two years, and I got into harder drugs, um, a boyfriend that I had was not into heroin, and he lied about it a lot, um, but I so grateful that it made me sick because I don't think that I would be here today if I didn't have such an, such a bad reaction to opiates um, I got into cocaine I got into methamphetamines um, I was doing PCP I, any, anything that was there I was doing um, I ended up moving into a basement of a trap house basically with two parolees living upstairs (laughs) dealing drugs out of the house um and it's just a wonder that I never got in any kind of legal trouble um I got a job selling vacuums door to door and my boss ended up buying me a little apartment um and I was sober for a while I got away from all that stuff I moved out of the basement and then I found out that my friends whose house was where I was staying in the basement moved like literally two blocks from my new little apartment um and it all just went back downhill again I uh Started going over there. I was over there more than I was at my own house. Um, doing a lot of a lot of meth. Um, a friend of mine. I lost my apartment. Um, a friend of mine got a DUI. Sh- uh, before she even turned twenty one, and I remember talking to her as she's you know hitting a meth pipe and her telling me how. Her DUI ruined her life, but she wasn't going to any of her classes or, she, you know, she was still using and drinking. And I just kind of looked at her with a pipe in her hand, and she says, this is not the problem. And it just kind of shocked me, and she ended up moving out of the house. And the next thing I heard, she was um, in jail uh, because she uh another DUI. And um, one of our friends almost died. He was in a coma for a long time. Um, She was in the hospital, handcuffed to the bed. She couldn't even see her family. Um, And our friend, her sentencing was basically contingent upon whether or not our friend lived or died. Um, He still has brain damage to this day. and she is coming up on three years sober now. It changed her life for the better, but I swore up and down, you know, that I would never drink and drive. And um, they talk about those yets. And I started um, drinking and driving. And, My boyfriend at the time was coming down off of meth, and he was drunk. And um, I woke up one night to him freaking out, and um, he basically choked me. He threw me on the garage floor. Um, He pushed me, and... um, I don't even know what for. But there was about eight other people in the house, and, you know, one was in the garage with us laughing. Nobody else in the house came out to help, and the ones who did said that I must have done something wrong. Um, You know, I was laying on the floor, seeing Tweety birds, and all the lights got shut off. And, you know, he's saying... Why are you why are you crying? Nobody cares. why are you crying? Nobody cares. So I had to crawl out of the house because I couldn't even stand up and I was just like, what am I supposed to do? I live here. all my stuff is here. These are supposed to be my friends here. I ended up calling the police and then hanging up the phone. And then I called 911, and then I hung up the phone, um, and they ended up calling me back. And they came to the house, um, they arrested him, and I said I refused medical attention because I didn't want the hospital bill, but I ended up going to the hospital later, and I had a sprained neck and a concussion. Uh, But all these people who were supposed to be my friends, were mad at me for for getting him arrested. Um, they locked me out of the house, and so I called one of my friends to pack up my stuff to help me. The EMTs told me not to go to sleep because I could die. And she told me to build a birdhouse, which I thought was funny because that was the last thing I was ever gonna do. Um, but she helped me get my stuff together and my grandparents came and the, I still haven't talked to those people to this day. Um, I moved to Sacramento with my myself. My dad bought a house up there. Um, I got two jobs. I was sober. Um, I was working at Ross for the holidays and I met some girl <laughs> who asked me if I drank and At this point, I still don't think that I have a problem with alcohol whatsoever. I can stalk when I want. I'm not addicted. Um, I just like to have fun. Um, So even though my dad didn't want me drinking, I didn't think that it was going to be a big deal if I started drinking again. Um, And before I knew it, I lost both my jobs because I couldn't, at this time, I was still refusing to drink and drive, and I didn't want to ride my bike hungover to work, so I lost both of my jobs. Um, I was hiding bottles in the cupboards, and my dad got mad one night and told me to pack up my stuff, and I come out with an armful of empty bottles and empty beer cans. He's like, and he got mad, um... They, He kicked me out, but I ended up coming back because he wanted, you know, he doesn't want me being out there. Um, so I ended up hooking up with somebody at work and getting pregnant again. Um, no memory of how it happened. Um, and uh, my dad... No, None of my family to this day even knows about it, but my dad is very racist, and um, he would not have accepted this thing, as he calls it, as a grandchild um, if he knew. Uh, so I ended up getting another abortion, and I moved back to Las Vegas um, after... I got the abortion in Las Vegas, and then I stayed here. Um, And everything was good after that. Everything was great. Um, I was with my middle school sweetheart, um, just sublimely happy. um, But I was drinking a lot. Before, it was really an issue. Um, I... Before I got a job, I was drinking like morning, noon, and night, passing out, waking up with a tall can in my hand, basically. Um, and then I started working, and it was fine. Um, but then I started withdrawing at work. And I don't. I still don't like know exactly when that happened, from the point where it was all fun and games until the point where, I just needed it to survive. I mean, I was shaking at work and throwing up at work and um it got to the point where I would go to the Walgreens across the street on my break and get alcohol just to just to not be sick at work um (laughs) I eventually I ran out of chances um I showed up just completely plastered one too many times couldn't even, like, function, plastered, Um, and, you know, I got let go, (sighs) which, of course, made me want to drink even more. Um, Around that time, I went to California for Thanksgiving um, with my boyfriend and drank through All of the holiday liquor in one night. I mean, gallons and cases and just gone between me and my boyfriend. And um, the next morning, there was nothing left. And I was sick, and, you know, I'm supposed to be on vacation with family. So I had to go to the store and buy two-fifths just to be level throughout the day, not even to have fun just to be able to function um and I ended up going to see my friend who had the DUI having to drink around her because I couldn't even I was gonna die I always felt like I was gonna die if I didn't have alcohol I was gonna just seize up and die um which of course made it worse and um uh, So, on the way home, we had more alcohol. I ended up staying with my grandparents for a night, and my grandma comes out with this big box of, like, flavored shots, and she's all excited, and she never drinks, so we got all excited. Um, We barreled through them all pretty quickly, and they bring out another bottle, and that's gone. And then... We, of course, had another bottle that was gone. Um, And so we drove home the next morning, and I had to have another bottle just for the drive home. Um, We ended up getting pulled over for speeding. But luckily I hit it in time, and we didn't get in trouble for that. Um, I don't remember anything after getting pulled over. I woke up, and it was Tuesday. Tuesday. And that was on Sunday night that we drove home. I remember walking to get more alcohol, and just miserable. Like I, I mean, I couldn't even. I couldn't do anything but drink, and I mean, I lost a whole day. Um, and that's when I ended up. I looked through my email, and I had an email from my dad saying that he he was afraid for me, basically. Um, you're drinking way too much hard liquor. You're, you know, your liver's going to go out. And and it was just kind of like, Ooh, okay. Um, so I ended up, you know, looking, talking to my service provider about where I could go, basically. Um and I checked myself in that day. Um, And (laughs) I was happy because I was drunk. Um, You know, by the time the first night came around, it was wearing off and I realized what I got myself into. And I just cried myself to sleep. Um, I was shaking pretty bad the next day um, when i had never even been to any aa or didn't know anything about it uh you know and they hand you a big book and a notebook right when you get in there <laughs> and i was like oh i i don't believe in god i'm exempt from this i this isn't for me and i was just really resistant uh as soon as I got out, they were hes- It was around New Year's time, and they were hesitant to let me out for New Year's. But I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm not gonna drink, you know. And I didn't. But um, I did probably like two days after New Year's, um, and I, I didn't stop. And I felt like I was after just after that first. The first drink, I was right back to where I was around Thanksgiving. Um, And so in February, I went back and went to detox and um, left. I was like, nope, I'm not doing this again. Not for another 30 days. Nope, can't do it. And it was a huge fight with the... Where I went. um, So I... Got out and immediately started drinking again. I lost another job. Um, uh, I was (laughs) just not there. I was not present at all. I mean, there was not a time unless I was sleeping that I wasn't drinking. Um, I ended up having a friend come over, uh, and she was smoking meth and she had it with her at my house and so it had been two years since I had touched the stuff and I was drunk. I'm like, Yeah, sure and she was really, really hesitant to let me try it and she's like, No, I really I I don't wanna and I was like, What's the big deal? It's you know, I've done it a million times and she just really was like, No and she's so if I, I it happened, um, and she kept, like apologizing to me, and I'm just I just didn't understand um, until she left the next day or that night, and um, I started seeing stuff. Um, I, I woke my boyfriend up out of bed because I thought there was a huge beetle crawling on him. Um, there were spiders on my walls. Um, my friend who had given me the drugs was literally implanted something in my ear and was talking to me through my ear and monitoring my heart and, um, like, basically telling me to do all these crazy things. I wound up going to the hospital the next day, um, for severe like heart palpitations and um they gave me fluids um and some kind of anti-anxiety something um and then I went home and I was still I was still hearing things and I still hadn't slept um I'm thinking like that there's this huge game going on and that my boyfriend was in on it and he's sitting there like nobody is talking to you. There's nobody here. Just go to sleep. And I could not go to sleep because there was... I had to play this game. I had to beat these people. And, I mean, they're literally like telling me to like do certain things. And there was a photo shoot at one point for a trip to Paris for as a wedding thing. And my boyfriend was just like, why are you flopping around in the bed? And it was just so real. And I so I finally, finally beat this game and they let me go to sleep. And um, I had a dream that it was four years after the fact and then I was lost all my family. I basically was getting a prognosis that this was going to be my life forever. Um, and I just woke up and started bawling. Um, and I was so scared that I was never going to get back to normal again. Um, so I went and got a bunch of NyQuil, and I went to sleep for a whole day, and slowly it all just kind of went away. Um, Thank God. (laughs) Because I don't know what would have happened if that would have been my life. Um, I probably would not be here. Um, But crazy enough, that did not stop me from picking back up. And I got a job at the Venetian. I started drinking again on the job. Um, and those yets that I was talking about, I started drinking while while at work and driving home and not even, remember, not even remembering getting home. Um, I remember running a, run, a red light one night while people were crossing in the crosswalk. And they were, like, looking at the light like it in my, in my right and crossing, but it didn't even register until I was past the light that there was people on the crosswalk, and I'm just like, if I would have killed somebody, I had, I don't know, I'd, I'd be in jail, I'd be dead, I'd, I don't know, but um, I kept doing it, and um, I ended up checking back into treatment again. Um, Insurance kicked me out early, and I kind of just got resentful of that, and I thought I meant it that time. Um, but I'm on my 30th day, I'm like, oh, yay, let's, let's drink. So I got drunk again. Um, my my job let me go to treatment and actually come back, you know, on a 90-day probationary period. And, of course, I showed up drunk. Spent half an hour on the bathroom floor. Um, lost that job. Um, my boyfriend ended up losing his job. Um, we lost our house, we lost our dog, and I, he checked in a treatment and I was at his mom's house, still drinking. Um, and she wasn't putting up with it. Um, So she dropped me outside of a detox facility who did not let me in for a day and a half. Um, I stunk like a homeless person. There was no bathrooms and I started my period on the sidewalk with nothing, just bleeding on the sidewalk. I mean, it was just, it was cold. Um, There was other people with me who were sleeping, who were supposed to be watching me, and so I had to stay up and watch myself. Um, So I was up for, you know, a day and a half, and I started hearing things again, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, So I forced myself to just shut my eyes for a little bit, And when I finally, they let me in the next morning, and um, detox is a whole lot different. Free detox is a whole lot different than an expensive treatment facility. Um, There was people, you know, getting high in there, people who did not want to get better, people talking a lot of smack about the program and everything. And it was just like, whoa, this is me. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm just gonna be one of those people who just continues to go to detox to feel better. And then just on a vicious cycle, um, I ended up trying to get into sober living, but I couldn't afford it. Um, My mom, very hesitantly let me stay with her I mean this is for the first time since I was 16 um, that she had any even just a little bit of trust Um, I was she was making me go to meetings but I needed to be in meetings so it was okay Um, I was only supposed to be there for a week but she let me stay for about three and then I went to California, um, and I went to meetings out there. Um, I don't know what clicked that time, but something just changed. And every time I went in prior to that, I still had things. I still had a car. I still had a house. I still had jobs, and just going from having all that to... Being on the street was crazy, and it literally happened over three days. Um, I just kind of realized that I there's never gonna be a time when I can drink alcohol like a normal person. I always held on to that hope that one day I would just be able to have one drink, <laughs> but it's never gonna happen. Um, and I always kind of hated, hated that, and I hated admitting that, but it's, it's okay today. Um, since I got sober, crazy things have happened. I've been in situations where all I want to do is use or drink, and I didn't, and, um, things happen. My dog um, got kicked out on the street and um, the night that I really, really, really wanted to use because nobody was going to take the dog and we had to be out of my mom's house. Um, we just kept looking for apartments and we did not pick up and um, as soon as we lay down and turned the lights off I got a text from my brother saying that he would take the dog. Just, you know, little things like that. The next morning, we found an apartment and signed the lease. Had we picked up that night, those things would not have happened. Um, we have our dog. I have an apartment. We have, you know, jobs and food in the fridge. Uh if we I know that if we even pick up one day that it'll all be gone again I do have a sponsor at first it was because that's what you're supposed to do Um, that first time in treatment I did a lot of things because that's just what you did and I wanted to get out of there as soon as I could so I got a sponsor I called my sponsor I talked a lot of game you know just to do whatever but um I didn't utilize her. I would call her after I picked up, when I was all drunk and miserable and crying, and she's like, "Sweetie, I can't help you. You need to hang up, and you need to call me when you're sober, and you need to call me before you pick up." Like, but if I call you before I pick up, then you're gonna convince me not to pick up, and I just, <laughs> I just want a drink. I don't want to hear you tell me not to, um, and and that's kind of how it went for a year almost just calling her when i was drunk and um when when i got sober this time around you know after 2 months like um we started doing step work and she acknowledged that how much you know i've changed this time around and um, it makes a huge difference when I call her when I'm having a bad day before I let all those things talk me into drinking um, just want to utilize her the right way it's it's a big help um, you know step all the step work is not as daunting as people make it out to be for, for the, the longest time, I wasn't calling her or doing any step work because I was afraid of step four. And I was afraid of all these things that, you know, people tell horror stories about. But she's like, you're not even on step one yet. You don't, don't worry about step four. Just call me before you, you know, it was just always like one, one thing at a time, one day at a time. And I never understood that phrase until this time around. I'm not making any promises about tomorrow or next week or next year, but just for today, I'm not gonna drink. And um, I was always like, what about tomorrow? And I don't even know when that changed, but one day I was just like, okay, just for today. I won't pick up just today. I won't, and some people do it by the hour, <laughs> but um, that's one thing that really saved me this time was just playing that over and over just for today. I've learned that I'm definitely an alcoholic. um, I think it was kind of an ego thing where like I didn't want to be labeled as that, I did not want to be an alcoholic. I didn't want to have to go to AA. I didn't want I didn't want that stigma attached to me, but um sometimes I'll go to meetings and I'll still feel that way. But the, <laughs> the longer I sit there, the more I realize that like this is definitely where I'm supposed to be. Um the more, you know, stories I hear <clears throat> I'm I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I always say that you have to, you have to do it for yourself. You have to want it for yourself. Um, it's not easy. Um, treatment can be a lot of fun. Um, you meet a lot of people. Some of them, you know, don't necessarily want to get sober. Um, listen. More than anything, um, I've, you know, been going to meetings for a year and a half now, and the only time I share is when I take chips, But I'm at that point now, where I've listened to enough people and I've heard enough things um, to where I feel like I can share some of my story. Don't be scared. I'm 20, I'll be 25 this year I've been drinking for 10 years You know, since adolescence And in constant There's never been a time in my life When any problem was not solved With a substance or a drink And still sometimes I get so frustrated That I just want to cry Because I don't know Really, I don't know what I am without alcohol I don't know how to deal with things without alcohol. But, you know, slowly the program, by working it, you know, you you figure those things out.